opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Chalk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. For Saturday night, February 27th, 2021, this is episode 36 of the Anime Roundtable Canada. Good evening from Six Points, 10 minutes south of the Anime North Compound in the west end of Toronto. Mike Nicholas, James Austin, Kevin Ng, Mohamed Shamarki, and Jeff Gregg around the virtual table. A reminder that we're always encouraging people to give their two cents on the conversation. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com is our email address. Twitter and Instagram at AnimeRoundtable. And our show notes and archive can be found on our website, AnimeRoundtable.com. And yes, we do have a Twitch, a YouTube, a Discord channel, a Facebook group, which really are just there but worth mentioning anyway. But I will at least mention once again... That if you give us a follow on Twitter, you're likely to get a message from us. Because we do like talking to anyone out there. Okay, where do you want to start this week? We, we were having trouble knowing how to start. Although we have a very good idea where we're ultimately going. But where do you want to start? Or should I just simply ask Mo? Did your game shares, uh, GameStop shares go to the moon this week? It's, it's on its way, man. It's on its way. Everyone, you know, still got time. It's at about $100 a share. Now, if you guys get in now, you know, you guys can reach that uh, that excellence, bro. Guys, guys got to get in, man. <laughs> Here's a shovel. Can you dig it? If, can it go more to the moon, Mo, if you tweet out an image of a McDonald's ice cream cone? Can it happen? It can go to Pluto. That's what. That's how far it can go. <laughs> it's just an interesting week. A month after everything that happened to GameStop, it got into the news again. <laughs> it suddenly just shot up uh, back end of Thursday in a noticeable way. And, it, and it's beating the rest of the markets because if, if you've been keeping up... Everything else got hit pretty hard. So, I don't know, GameStop. Well, it's kind of funny we speak of GameStop and then, of course, up here and in other regions where it's EB Games, of course. And I was on their site for EB Games. It was interesting, of course, because of COVID and that, that some of the stores are that I know are in our area are not showing up on the store locator. So it makes me wonder... Are they closed for now? They're not paying rent and then they're going to come back or some of those are just never going to come back because a lot of the mall locations look like they're gone. And the one down one street in Mississauga, which had tons, is down to just one location and it's near me and it was supposedly one of their most uh, best locations. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering too. I mean, the Square One location, what happened to that? Before, yeah, that one, Air Mills uh, Town Center is gone. Those were two mall locations. Mm-hmm. Like the only one, like there was like five or some ridiculous number up Aaron Mills Parkway. Like they were so close to each other. It's like, That's how true. can you yes. see? Yeah. And I think the only one left I see on their map locator is Self Common. To my mm-hmm. knowledge, the the Argentia and Meadowville locations are gone for good. Mm-hmm. 
Square oh, One, I imagine they will keep. Square One has always been a money making store, like relatively speaking. Well, I shouldn't say money making, but they've like that store definitely has lots of traffic. When yeah, I was about to say you can kind of justify it. You can even when they stuck them in the basement, <laughs> especially because they recently renovated and relocated to a bigger spot. Oh, again? So this would again? be the third spot within no, that. Was, one, no, no, this it? was like yeah, this was like last year when this happened so they actually okay. continued with this reno and relocation during the pandemic so oh wow they okay so this would be they'll like a, their third look really they would keep that one yes mm -hmm. it's square one that's a thing uh, square one bucks a lot of retail trends in many ways in terms of retail in the greater toronto area it's one of those odd anomalies we've constantly talked about it how often in a single space at one end, you'll find a Walmart and a Dollarama. And then at the other end, you'll find a high-end apartment store, Cold Red like Cold Renfrew, right? Yeah, and then yeah. the is there. Like, like that's an, that doesn't happen often, if at all. And you have that under one roof in square one. The whole town can go there. Uh, speaking as a former employee of that mall, They've always had big plans. Like their intention is to make it the Yorkdale of the West. Oh, they have, they have the same it was already there to a certain extent. The only problem is finding a parking space. <laughs> those things always take time. Like there's not as many of those super high end stores as you may think there are. But I will say, like, because if you compare what the stores at Square One in terms of their luxury wing versus Yorkdale's, it pales in comparison. But true, those things other time. time they'll go there first. It, those things Yorkdale. always take time. Yeah, that's true too. And Square One is is an ongoing project, really. It's just it was funny because I was sitting across the street from Square One one day, and then I looked across there and saw the luxury wing. And I just thought to myself, that facade reminds me so much of Yorkdale. So it's just keen that you brought up Yorkdale just now. And they're the same that owners. the add-on, right? Mm -hmm. Same owner. So, yeah, as I said, yeah, as we've said, same owner. And, and the other thing is they've revamped the inside too when they were doing the outside, remember? Because that top uh, level, they did a lot of work on, especially near the uh, bay end. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of the things that used to be there, they moved to the basement and stuff like that. So it's been definitely ongoing many, many years. Mm -hmm. And and it'll probably just keep going. It, as I said, it's the largest shopping mall in Ontario by square foot. And one of the great anomalies in retail, I think, as I said. Okay. Do we want to get right to the big topic this week? Because uh, Kevin uh, brought, brought, brought our attention. You want to start talking about this one, Kevin? Uh, and I'll, I'll uh, give a thought, and then you want to start uh, giving a thought? Sure. Okay. Kevin, on Tuesday, brought my attention to a disturbing or disheartening little thread on Caleb Cook, the translator of a number of shows, a number of manga, manga more specifically. Yeah. And probably most notably, at least for the purpose of the story, the translator of My Hero Academia. And 
apparently this has been an ongoing thing for some time. He's been criticized in many res- uh, well criticized for his, the way the translation of the manga because you know it's he's the he's the easy guy to go after since he's the official translator but it came to a head apparently when he said he couldn't take the online criticism which probably has devolved nicely into uh, into harassment and bullying he can't take it anymore and he's uh, basically cut off his twitter twitter feed and he's left twitter well, he and, hasn't left Twitter. He made his Twitter account private. So the his direct response to that was this. And this is a screenshot because I don't follow Caleb Cook. But, welp, it's sure been an experiment, but I'm feeling done. Just taking my ball to greener pastures, etc. I've made a private account to keep in touch with the cool people. Check your notifications. But I wish nothing but the worst for the toxic elements of this and every fandom. And by this, he means My Hero Academia's fandom. The toxic elements, to be specific. This was made on uh, February 22nd. So this was shortly after Chapter 302 came out. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten some attention it got some attention on the, uh, the subreddit for my hero academia i think is it is it the anime or the manga the manga yes and i know zach davison has spoken i was aware in, of it through him too yeah in his defense i think i know i i'm pretty sure daryl serrata said something i think i mentioned that but i for, i have to find that link exactly it's like I, 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 I'm trying to to understand a little bit of it, and I can only keep up with so much because uh, much of it is like you have to be able to be a, a have kept up with the my the story itself in some form, whether it has has been watching the anime or actually reading the manga in whatever form you're reading it in, but just reading some of it and like just reading the subreddit, you have people kind of starting to point fingers at each other, the fans. And some, some are trying to say, yeah, the criticism, like, yeah, then maybe there's some points of some intellectual discussion and criticism. Like some people uh, felt while feeling bad for Caleb also did say, did try to at least, be intellectual with their criticism of the translation, which I'm all for. I mean, it's it's okay to have a have a intelligent discussion about those things. But the name calling, the flaming, I don't care for. I I mean that goes without saying for many of us for this show. But I'm trying to still wrap my head my hands around it. The thing is, my reference points are always on translators we've talked to about this, or people who know Japanese or other languages. And there's always been a consistent theme when I've had these conversations. It's the idea that the translation is not that simple. The whole idea that 
no one language perfectly maps, and that's a, a phrase, a word that I know Matt Alt has used, maps perfectly into another. And that it becomes all muddled. And, and when preparing for all of this, I had to re-listen to our conversation with Matt Alt back at the end of December, before the new year. And it was like a 17-minute stretch where he talked about, well, you're, don't shoot the messenger. And that from the moment that the translation leaves the translator's hands, it could still filter a bunch of different ways. And the final result could change because there are other stakeholders who are allowed to have their say. There's rewriters, there's editors, and then there's the rights holders for that language. So there's and sometimes the creator themselves. And, and th that change is often made for the sake of just making it more accessible. And to reinforce your point, Mike, uh, Caleb Cook has pointed this out in a past tweet. So I have, I have another screenshot here from earlier in the year where he states, so it's largely out of my hands once I submit the raw script, meaning, one, there are multiple competent firewalls and safety nets, aka other professionals, between me and the final release. Two, what I write is sometimes not what you read. Three, I can't publicly comment on some choices. No, that, that, the, and that the, is expected. With yeah, the last yeah. part, I the last part, I, I expect too. All of that, I expect, but the last part is the one that sticks out to me. And Sometimes they can't say any more. And a lot of people don't know this. And, and you can, and people, you can argue that you can argue that fans shouldn't need to know this. But sorry, what were you going to say, James? I was just. Thinking is like a lot of the ones we're talking about in this case, of course, and with Shonen Jump going online, a lot of people, especially if they're fanatical, they're going chapter by chapter, which is kind of crazy to think about now. But I'm thinking of how we read it, Kevin, a lot of the time where it's the volume, right? And we're reading the physical too. And at the end, we see the translator, the rewriter, the editor and all that, especially on the Viz releases. You always see those ones at the end of the book. So it does go through a lot of hands. So it just makes you wonder. It's like, I don't remember if they have those on those chapter by chapter um, versions, right? Well, you so I wonder if people just forget that. Well, no, you can argue that way. we were, we were a minority in that sense. Cause Back in, back in like, even from like the mid to late 2000s, the latest scanlations of popular Shonen Jump series have been around, like, even now, I, I can read the newest chapter of One Piece two to three days before Japan does. People will still illegally translate that series and put it up because they gotta be it's first. They're bound to climb, right? It's all about the e-penis. <laughs> I was about to say all about the ego for me. And, and this is a toxic part of fan cultures, and it's not necessarily unique to things that we talk about. And the, the Japanese anime and manga side, 
that exists in science fiction. That exists in journalism. That exists in sports fandom. The whole got to be first, not best, not right, just first. So you can tie your your, what's first in the mind of said people that may have seen it first. Right. And then it just rolls downhill and not so pleasant away a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Now, when I think about this, I mean, there's a whole, we've had various versions of the translation debate in recent episodes of this podcast, certainly in within, certainly in its history, certainly in the version two era, certainly in the pandemic series of this podcast. And I'm thinking it's like, is it, I like you, I love you, or I love you zebra. That's what I'm thinking again, right? I mean, I'm thinking Dan, I'm thinking Eva, Dan Kanamatsu again. I mean, this is where we are. Is this where we are? Yes. With, uh, with Mr. Cook? I feel bad for the guy. I'd say so. Because this is the classic example of diehard fans... And I say fans in air quotes here. <laughs> They're definitely preferring a literal translation. That over the years, I've noticed this being the case where fans have been like more and more desiring the more literal translation, even if it may not flow as well, even if it might sound a little stilted. I hate to tell them, but we've talked about many a time, right? And that dream just does not exist. We've said that many a time. And I remember the last time, or one of the many times we've talked this year about it, was remember uh, Funimation had their online con, and they had a very good translation panel I talked about. And it was interesting talking about how you get there and how you have those conversations between the professionals and the not-so-professionals and how you have to think about the context and it won't always be there. If you had the literal translation, when you're trying to go to a larger English audience or whatever language you're translating for. Everything is going all according to Keikaku. I was going to bring that up. How dare they not use Nakama in the official English translation? It's, it's ridiculous. Kind of on this note, it's weird because, like, the toxicity of all fandoms is, you know, increasing. I mostly blame Twitter, uh, but I think that it's it's interesting, like, the the vitriol that the toxicity is kind of forming as, because I think back in in you know my day or like when I was in university, like, if there was ever a a dub versus sub debate would be like, ho, 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 you like this, that's silly. Now it's like, as Kevin was saying, there's this like passion of like, how could you possibly like this garbage English translation where they're making English jokes with, you know, American accents? This is garbage. You should read the official fan subs. Um, uh, it's, I, I don't... <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny hearing you say that, Jeff, because they rarely do those dubs now. Like, they did back in the day where they have something like ghost stories and they said, have at it. And ADV just did that. 
yeah, don't the, have many of those. A lot of them are pretty faithful and stuff like that with minor nips and tucks here and there. But. I, and, I, and I think that the series that are, you know, being more creative are the ones that uh, would need it to survive in the North American market. So things like Panty and Stalking and Sergeant Frog, those series, the comedy is, you know, uh, frantic. It's, um, you know, kinetic. Uh, all the humor wouldn't translate, you know, completely directly. So with those examples, we can have this, you know, really fun um, sort of almost American comedy writing style English dub. But then there's the Japanese sub that is, you know, there was some issues with it, but for the most part, more accurate to the original translation. But, you know, those types of series wouldn't have come here otherwise. Um, with this uh, situation with My Hero Academia, I think that the entire problem is that it's this generation's Naruto or Dragon Ball. This would not yep. have happened with, uh, you mm -hmm. know, a random slice of life or a shoujo, even if the translation was worse or the, the issue with the translation was worse. It's, you know, the, the culture that has developed and festered over years and somehow perpetuated across generations... Um, and and has been forming into this, you know, really gross, you know, thing with, you know, <laughs> ship wars and, you know, these translation issues and, you know, really, like, unsettling, like, discussions. Like, when My Hero Academia was first coming, uh, first really booming... Most of the the drama I saw in the in the community were people arguing about the relationship between the main character and the rival because in the story it's seeming abusive, so people were mad that how could you ship something that is a real problem in society, and then people would argue against it. No, it's just fiction and it's cute. It's uh, it's it's tiring. <laughs> I don't I don't blame him for for cutting out like I'm surprised he lasted this long um and I think it's sad because you know from what I can see of the situation he was kind of giving back to the community with a fun trivia game but if when he start, tries to run this trivia game if people are just going to yell at him because their favorite character was disrespected by his translation it's no one's going to have a good time it's it's sad that is the true shame because he did this. He did those trivia tweets with Dr. Stone as well. Mm. Those were fun. I mean, I heard about the trivia stuff when the story broke and everyone kept saying the trivia was fun. And it shows that he cared. Well, I think, uh, what is it? I think this didn't, didn't Zach Davison kind of defend him by saying, if you think you're my hero academia <laughs> fan, he's a bigger fan than you. Yeah. I, I remember reading that mm -hmm. line. Yeah. I just remember uh, reading that I line. I have the yeah. tweets here. Uh, here's the truth for you. It takes an immense amount of effort to get good enough at translating that companies are willing to pay for it. The pay is minimal. We spend our lives deeply involved with these comics. The reason we do it is passion. We are the Uber fans. And just so you know that no matter how much you love Meyer Academia, Caleb Cook loves it more. I promise you that. And in return for his love, passion, learning, and skill, you took a big shit on his head repeatedly for no reason. So again, fuck you. End quote. 
Good script reading, by the way. Uh, hey, do you think it, this will reach? Sorry, guys. Do you think this will reach some kind of like breaking point? It did. And that was the breaking. Point. It did, yeah. yeah. So no, I mean, like, I mean, like more like widespread because I feel like this can't be an isolated incident with one translator, right? I think that these these sort of um, professionals and people in the industry will just stop interacting. You know, we've seen that. What is that iPhone only pillow? Uh, not pillow fort. That's the Tumblr replacement. What's the um, iPhone social media? Elon Musk. Clubhouse. Thing? Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Yeah, Clubhouse. I could see you know smaller social media uh, splintering just so that people have people can avoid this but still have some sense of community because as as much as i hate to admit it a lot of these are and I, i'm not trying to defend these people i think they should learn and and have the maturity but a lot of these might just be really energetic and and hormonal 14 year olds <laughs> and when you give them the power of social media as we know and seeing mm -hmm. how social media has evolved yeah, that is played a big factor is Maybe they'll go to other platforms, more respectable platforms. I was thinking and... on translation, the one interesting thing is uh, J Novel Club and how they start off their life with uh, a lot of their novels and stuff like that in their manga. It starts off online, chapter by chapter. And then when you're a member and you're reading it week by week, you can also go into their forums and actually, as a member, a paying member, you can interact with the staff and some of the translators of that property uh, you're reading and stuff like that. And there's a respectful banter going back and forth about, okay, what's going on here? Uh, is it a good enough translation? Stuff like that. And you get an idea of what's going on, stuff like that. And that doesn't mean something's going to change or anything, but it's very respectful and a good back and forth between everyone. But of course, some of that is people are paying for the privilege uh, for that interaction along with reading uh, some of that stuff earlier. James, I think you just justified Twitter's paid service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you did it because it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen this last week, but when you put it like that, I could see there being at least a small market for it. But you never know, maybe it's an older audience that are subscribing to uh, J-Novel and people are being more respectful, as we said, because they could be kicked off uh, if they uh, go beyond the red line, as they say. But you never well, know. Once a person goes, they may not stop, right? It, it Well, but you kind of hit a point, uh, hit an interesting point. What we are able to read, what we're able to watch, who we're able to interact with, a lot of this... It's not a right. It's a privilege to be able to enjoy all of this. And like with all this talk about how much the how much the lower rungs, the pe the regular people in the industry make or what they don't make. And you know, justifying they're sometimes abusive attitude saying we pay for the privilege. Have you? Because if we're talking a lot of scanlations, a lot of those consumers, I'm not totally sure if they've paid for that privilege. They most likely have not. Right. And some of those ones we know for some of those sites aren't just people that are showing uh, scanlated copies and stuff like that they're also doing scans of 
official English versions and other language versions probably for other areas and stuff like that, which is not fair at all. In, no, no, that's, that's even worse. In fact, one of the people who tweet out these My Hero Academia spoilers is supposedly a person who's known in the community to have read well, not really scanlated, but they'll have scans of the Japanese RAWs, and then they'll compare their translations. Oh, now that well, we're getting nitpicky, aren't we? And so it, it only really adds fuel to the fire, so to speak. And so basically, uh, one of, so this person also, the specific, this specific person also made their Twitter account private, but there was one tweet where it basically comments how Endeavor wouldn't say damn it in the Japanese uh, in, the, in the Japanese release, but in the English adaptation or the English translation, Endeavor does say damn it in that panel. And that's one example of that. And it's tweets like those that fans will use to then attack Caleb Cook. And then, uh, and this happens repeatedly, and uh, Caleb did lash out at one point. Like he, you know, he, he had, he, and there was the, it was a, it sounded like it was, there was a bit of a breaking point and understandable. But then after he expressed that, Expressed frustration just got worse because it led to it led to uh, how do I put this? People would then insinuate that he called this person a piece of shit, which you couldn't you can interpret that as such. But then it's like calling it's like you're calling the kettle black. It's like you're you're like. You're that person is criticizing his work, so like it's like, what do you like? How can you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what can you really blame him, especially when it happens week after week after week after month? And the, yeah, it, it's going after just something specific, not necessarily the quality altogether, is it? Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting because there's there's such room for interesting conversations there that aren't happening. Because if the criticism is, you know, this character wouldn't say damn it, it would be interesting to have the other person say, you know, okay, what does damn it mean in English? There's maybe a connection to, you know, Christianity, which might not exist in the Japanese language. What, uh, what, translation or what word are you saying that endeavor wouldn't say in japanese and then you know we could have that back or they could have that back and forth and try to figure that out but there's such nuances in both language where it's never going to be one-to-one -one. even you know the word blue and green have different you know meanings if you look at the etymology and the history behind those words um so it's, it's the same context why 13 is considered a bad luck number here in the West and four would be considered a bad luck number in much of the East. Yeah. And I think that there needs to be that, that room for, um, 
you know, adaptation and, you know, translation, especially because this is a series, you know, in Japan aimed at age, you know, 8 to 14. Um, so essentially kids. Um, and even in a situation where a literal translation, you know, might be better, I don't necessarily think this is, you know, one that, you know, requires that kind of thing. And a lot of these these criticisms will bring up like these you know translations well actually in the original japanese the character says and then they'll quote this perfect english uh, sentence and then compare it to caleb or another translator's um version of the translation if it was a literal translation it wouldn't be clean english it would be kind of this awkwardly grammatically jumbled mess uh, yep. If it was literally yep. translated, so they're not mm -hmm. they're not going from they're either going from their own personal translation, which would have their own biases and potential errors, or they're going from one of the the fan translators or the you know people who rush it out to be first. So it's it's messy. Like I said, I love you, Zebra uh, Mo. <laughs> I, I know I know you want to say something. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, this just sounds like a troll, right? Isn't this is what we're arguing about? We're arguing about trolls now. I mean, like we we have to set aside that this person obviously didn't want to have an intellectual conversation about the legitimacy of the translation. I mean, he just was trolling him, right? Is that I don't that think it it's was? a troll. I don't think it's a troll. I think it's just people are very opinionated and and passionate and um, passionate and also misguided um, because I don't. I'm, I mean, I'm giving this person a lot of benefit of the doubt, but you I don't think, I, but I don't think he's he's setting out to be like, I want to ruin this person's life. I want to, you know, only cause trouble. I think this person just has a lot of pride and thinks they're better than other people. And he's jealous that this person who also loves the series gets to, you know, do it for money and express that this, his own fandom and, um, you know, essentially be celebrated for it as he kind of should. Um, and he's just bitter that he's maybe not as good. Just as a quick that, aside, that the one the person who I'm bringing up is a woman, most likely. Oh, so, sorry about that. Because they the their name apparently like I've heard the name bandied about that the name is probably Gabby, so we can only assume okay. it's a woman. Hey, let's let's not come on, man. It's 2021. Let's not assume here, right? Actually, no. Never <laughs> mind. I it. The pronouns are she and her on that person's Twitter account. So okay, so it is, so they identify yes. as a woman. Well, the thing is, if, jealous over what though? Money? We we've already stated that this isn't the greatest paying job. To circle back, we said it isn't fully their translator sometimes for a lot of the translators in the manga field anyway, because in the manga field, as we said, sometimes. They may be doing uh, the English rewrite along with the translation and then the editor's doing the editing, but sometimes you'll have separate rewriter, separate editor and stuff like that. And even for these simul pubs, it goes through many hands and stuff like that. So you don't know how much is each person's part, right? So Yeah, yeah I, I think the jealousy is just jealousy that this person who is a fan gets to be the the word of God, essentially. Um, like that must be a, a dream for anyone studying uh, Japanese and who is also a fan of, um, you know, Japanese media properties to to have, you know, the, the both the level of skill and the um, uh, the placement 
in the position to have some influence over what gets actually published and puts in put in people's hands. But as James says, like, you know, I think that's just a misinterpretation of, of thinking that, you know, Caleb is the, the word of God when, you know, there's so many different um, levels and checks and balances. And we could say the same in video games too, right? Because things coming out of Nintendo's Treehouse, translators at like Sega Atlas and so many others, sometimes they're going through those same different processes and stuff like that. So there isn't one be all and end all for that final translation that either makes it on our screen or makes it on our page. The only thing I think as I read this story is always the tried and true argument that I've all, that's always been in my head. Nothing beats learning the language, your damn self. And in the process, ultimately you'll still have your own interpretation. And so be it. Even as English readers, even as English speakers ourselves, we will see the same texts. We will see the same words and we'll interpret them differently. We'll see a phrase. I mean, in one Simpsons episode, we, as uh, Lisa and Bart face each other in hockey, you see the crowd chanting, kill Bart, kill Bart, kill Bart. And the problem is the, you, have, you have both both fans of both teams saying the exact same words, but meaning exa- complete opposite things. It is, it is text, right? Like, that's another thing that this is a comic book medium. There is no easy way to even write sarcasm um, no, or, or other types of inflections. And that makes it, that makes it even worse. That makes, the, that makes the problem even bigger, right? And as we talk about, there could be space limitations on the page or in anime's case. If there are lip flaps, you never know what could happen there. It's a minefield sometimes. Right. And and sometimes you can't win. You can't get that translation. Hence, you get a Japanese word that becomes part of the English vocabulary. Sushi, umami. I'm sorry, I'm a little hungry right now. <laughs> when like I said things have changed over time, and we talked about that with Matt all too, right? Mm-hmm. So. And when it comes down to it, and I, I and this is where I, I I feel for Caleb Cook, and he'll. He gets our, our support, not that he needs it. And it's just nice to be able to shut it out because it's like, I feel bad for him. He doesn't really need to use his energy to talk to people who, to try and explain things to people who have probably more invested in it than they should, or i.e. people who probably should get more of a life it's now now i'm gonna go into sports fandom for a couple seconds and because this is how i feel on the day that rogers made a couple changes to their hockey night in canada lineup one of the casualties who got laid off was glenn healy he was a former nhl goaltender he was also one of the analysts on their number one broadcasting team for hockey night in canada but he was a very polarizing figure as an analyst. A lot. And I mean a lot of people hated him. I got into arguments with some colleagues over his, over the merits of him being there. And I said, 
well, he he played the game. Yeah, it's a cynical view, but he had, he played the game. And my colleague just said he's just a plain jerk. That's not the point, though. And the day that happened, Bob McCowan, who was still there, was on his show, and he acknowledged the haters by saying he was good at what he did. And you must have some issues if you are celebrating somebody losing their job. And I'm pretty sure there are some people who are celebrating Caleb Cook having a bit of a nervous breakdown. And maybe they need a life. Those, those are the things I think about when I hear about Mr. Cook. You know what makes said, Not that he needs our defense. Not that he needs it. Thanks. You know what I was thinking about it? It's the thing I always think about when I hear these things and I think about social media and we talk about if you were face to face with that person in the same room physically, would you actually say the exact same things you said online? Like, really? Oh, that's, like, that's, that's really like, Would you use your brain that you have instead of being a keyboard warrior? It's like, sorry for using the term, but yeah, just pulling I'm... off the handle, like, and yeah. have some common decency with what you've learned and say it's like, if it's not nice, you shouldn't be saying it and stuff like that. And using um, yeah, the your brain old, that God gave you. More often and, than not, no. They wouldn't. More often than not. And, and this is probably, and I, I know maybe we should sh uh, finish up in a, this uh, part of the conversation in a bit. For Mr. Cook, and another reason I'll applaud him is in the end, he puts his name on it. Haters, how often are you willing to put your name to the things you say? Mm -hmm. He did. He did. I mean, we put our names to this show. And through the, and I know some of the biggest flames we ever got. And we're not getting flames these days because really who's listening? <laughs> but in the version one era, the biggest flames we got. I'm not totally sure if they were male or female to start, much less anything else. It just shows that no one wins in situations like this. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. It's just all, all, the only thing, the only thing, uh, like, it, it's, it's so unneeded energy. It's unneeded energy to send out the hate. It's unneeded energy to absorb it and deal with it. Okay, maybe I'm getting too big here. I think it 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 is an interesting question. Like for his his main criticism, like I'm wondering what led her to to really want to pick this fight to begin with. Um, like is it that is it that jealousy? Is it just that part of of the culture? Um, now is it a race to the top? As you mentioned, like kind of near the beginning of this this conversation, is it just the speed element of it? Um, it's, it's not great on a lot of levels of, of fandom. Um, and I don't know if there is a solution. It's kind of dire right now. Um, there's still a lot of creativity, a lot of, um, excellent things going on. Um, but, um, and speaking of that, if anyone, um, does have a look at, um, Cook's website, 
Um, he has amazing sculptures um, that I think uh, a lot, I would just suggest people uh, check out a lot of uh, fun video game uh, type of things. There's a Celeste one. I think there's some uh, Earthbound and Mario, all this kind of cool stuff. So there's there's definitely creativity and, you know, his trivia game is, even though it's probably long gone at this point, um, there's there's positivity out there, but I'm I'm worried that it's very quickly going to be completely drowned out by the negative and toxic elements of fan bases. So I don't know. See, from my interpretation of this, I would be led to believe that the individual was just merely comparing the you know the Japanese text to the English translation. Although uh, in another uh, in another tweet, uh, Jacob and sorry Caleb insinuates that like this is the person who's been per- perpetuating this for a week. Okay. So I can only hmm. hold him to his word. I can't read any more of these other uh, examples from that specific person because I haven't found any more screen caps since. And that person, everything's that person everything's locked is also private now. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope they both find peace, to be honest. Um, there's a lot <laughs> of benefits from getting out of social media that I hope, even if it's not under the best of circumstances, I hope they're both uh, finding some of that peace, even if it means a little bit less communication with the masses. Yeah. See, the reflection I always have, and this comes back down to this show too, is this show admittedly isn't too active on social media. It's probably to some degree to its detriment because it doesn't have a listenership to try and pull that in. To be active, to try and get listeners. But on the other side, it's just a hobby to us. Or on the other side, I can go about doing this with a clear mind not having to worry about anything else. Ignorance in that sense can be quite bliss. I don't know. I mean, we've seen, this is like another version of a lot of themes we've come across, right? The talk on translation, the talk on, on toxic social media. Like this is, this is just another story we can add to that pile and check off a lot of boxes in the process, so to speak. And I guess the only thing I'll say about what I think a good translation would involve, it's not necessarily what's said. This is almost Maya Angelou-like. It's not necessarily what's said. It's how it makes you feel. Sort of the point, isn't it? Hmm. Isn't that the point of a good, like taking that phrase, isn't that the point of a good translation? If it, if it, if it, if the translator has to go a bit roundabout, but if the result to the 
reader or the viewer is the exact same one, that's the one for one you're looking for, I think. With a between a Japanese viewer and reader to an English reader and viewer. That's the one to one you're looking for. The reaction. The 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 exact parts of those reactions. The feel. I'm just saying. Maybe that's what it is to me. Hey, prove me wrong. Just let us know. You know our yeah, you know our socials. Uh. That's it. <laughs> I think that's all we can really say on it. I mean, we, we're just we're we're just going to keep circling the wagons if we keep talking about it. So yeah, and none of us. And, and how many? And 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 honestly, who here is a like? I have nothing against it, but who who does read My Hero Academia? I read it every two weeks. So you do read it. So you're a bit of a fan. I like the series. I I do prefer other oh. Shonen Jump manga like uh, World, World Trigger, which uh, Caleb Cook also translates, and uh, oh, yeah. Nakamoto Days and Kaiju Number Eight. But but yeah, I I do quite enjoy My Hero Academia. It's it it wasn't my it wasn't one of my favorites in the beginning, but it certainly grew on me. Like there, that series definitely has substance to it. Cool. It's it is it's a phenomenally phenomenally interesting series, just as far as um, its DNA. Like it is um, so much of a of an American superhero trope, um, you know, concept. <laughs> but it's so Japanese. Like the themes, um, the the philosophy behind a lot of the the characters is very Japanese. Um, it, it delves into like education and Japanese workforce uh, culture. It, it's fascinating. It is one of my favorites of recent years, but I watched the English dub anime. So I am the last of the official release uh, fans to get uh, new content. Uh, okay. James, Mo, do you read a, do you read or watch it? I've never seen it personally. Nope. No, no, neither uh, do I. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, yeah. And I just know it helps get other anime that does not get as many eyeballs out to the masses. Because hey, in that sense, it bigger ships uh, bring the waves up for everyone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but you know, Caleb Cook, keep going, keep on trucking, you're doing a good job. I think you're doing a good job. Pretty sure, and uh, I think there's plenty of uh, yeah, plenty of other uh, people to give that evidence. I love his work on know. Hell's Paradise. There you go. That's the spirit. Great manga. Let's take <laughs> Let's take the break. When we come back, well, we're going to run through the headlines and brief again. A couple bullets to talk about. Some of them rather obvious, and they nicely tie in with the uh, the COVID update which we'll get to right after the break. When the anime roundtable continues. My nephew, like the Power Rangers, and I did this on his birthday where he had all his friends around. They were like, Green Ranger? I said, let me show you the real Sentai. I'm going to show you the episode where Green Ranger actually died. And they were sitting there looking. A couple kids start crying like, no, Green Ranger can't be daddy. And the parents were like, 
Why are you showing our kids? The Anime World Order Podcast. Not suitable for children because the truth hurts. Visit us online at www.animeworldorder.com. And the podcast now continues. Nicholas Austin, Ing, Shamarki, Greg, continuing the conversation with you in front of a virtual audience. Thank you for listening. And online via the Six Talk Podcast Network, official podcast, Anime North. And we're going to talk about Anime North in the uh, upcoming block as we begin the bullets. These are little things which can become big things. Actually, let's uh first bullet is kind of not related to anime, but it is in keeping with the pandemic thing. Let's do our quick COVID update. As of today here in Toronto, for much of the last week, number of cases have been straddling on either side of 1000, so we're kind of flat in that sense at the moment. Uh, 16 additional deaths as of Saturday evening. So I don't know where that sits exactly in terms of number of deaths in terms of the trend. I think it's uh, down anyway. So I guess that's encouraging news. The not so encouraging news is that a good chunk of these cases are going up with the variants. And that seems to be the concern now. As... uh, There's been there's been a limited reopening of some regions in uh, in Ontario, although I think they I think they've used the the emergency break for some regions. I think uh, Thunder Bay is one of them, and Simcoe Simcoe is another. Yeah, so those two will go back into gray zone in the coming week. The immediate Toronto area, or Toronto and the western suburbs in Peel, remain fairly locked down. Nothing's open. But it'll... Uh, the York region's open. The York region's <laughs> open. So, uh, you know, there's a lunch idea right there. I always find that hilarious. It's just like across the, the line on steels, like that remember. side's open and this side's closed, you oh. know? Yeah, I mean, the very first episode of this show was taped at York University, which sits at the corner of Keel and Steels. You just have to go across Steels and you're not in Toronto anymore, technically. You're in Vaughan. No one stopped us. No one's stopping you. So that's the thing. And that's been the concern, region jumping too. So I, where where, where do you want me to say? (laughs) It's a long journey yet. And we still got to get our vaccinations and we're at the back of the line. So it's going to be a long wait for all of us. Yeah, for us that are. uh, And that's just to get the first uh, shot. Because so far, I think they've only approved uh, the two-shot vaccines. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, the U.S. as of today approved the Johnson & Johnson shot, and that's going to be a one-shotter. Mo? What what shot do you guys want to get? I mean, you guys looking to get the Johnson & Johnson, the AstraZeneca? Are you guys going to go for the new stuff, the old stuff? Like, when the time comes and you're able to choose a vaccine, what vaccine do you want? I don't think they're going to give us a choice. They're going to say, show up. Get a vaccine. Good luck. Oh, come and on. Then come, back, <laughs> then come back here. Come back here in like a couple weeks time for the second one. 
Just imagine this, Mo. They're starting off now for the general populace, 80 and up. And I know at least in Ontario, I think some of it was probably they were going to do it through an online portal, it sounds like, to book your appointment or something like that. And to start off 80 and up, that's going to be crazy to get some of those people the vaccine, like especially if they're living by themselves. Like you can easily do retirement home stuff like that. But those living on their own, some of them may be Internet literate, but that age group, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess we talked about full circle moments when the first vaccines were given. We mentioned that the first vaccines given in Canada and on, or at least Ontario for sure, were given at the Michener Institute, which was also the location of the first couple anime Norths in the late 90s. Same building. So they, uh, in, in terms of the rollout to come... They'll be held at various points in the province and, of course, the GTA. I think they'll we've have heard some, some of those, and, right? Yeah. Because they talked about doing a drive-through vaccination in York Region at Canada, Canada's Wonderland. Mm -hmm. two so we could the, see a lot of the malls, right? Two of the uh, two spots that have been confirmed. Well, there's already one being set up at the Metro Toronto Convention Center, home to... Fan Expo and uh, and IFF, and then another I think is being is being set up at the TCC at the Toronto Congress Center, which is of course the centerpiece of the Anime North compound and Hershey Center as well, Mississauga. They're setting North, up uh, yeah, that one as well. Or what's it called? Meeting. Paramount. Uh... Paramount. Paramount Center. Yes. Okay. Mo, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say. I mean, like, I hope that like the ramp up is fast because right, there's 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 schedule right now. The rollout is just. It's not gonna work, guys. It's just too slow. I don't think it's 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 effective enough. But you know, when the time comes, I, I'm looking forward to like that drive through scenario. Like, how hard would it be to administer fifty thousand shots a day? You know, <laughs> well, it's and uh, and for reference, Canada approved a third vaccine this week, right? AstraZeneca, yeah. AstraZeneca, okay. So, you know, as I said uh, two weeks ago. The races between the variants and the vaccines, which one will get to the masses first? Opens that vaccine, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have the pharmacists. I'm sure uh, they're uh, chomping at the bit because I'm sure they could help too. Yeah. So, well, who knows? That's, uh, that's the update. That's the update specifically. But it still continues. COVID, that is. Still continues. Oh, hey, do we want to talk about uh, Ted Cruz going to Mexico? Was that something we want to mention? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. And then dot com. Or if you want the other side, Fox News or uh, or One America. Anyway. Well, as the pandemic continues, it's starting to ha take its... Uh, toll on the anime social calendar anime north this week finally uh, pulled the plug on doing a in-person 2021 edition so so officially anime north has once again been postponed and rescheduled for May 27th to the 29th 2022 but please uh, but according to the website Join them late for what would have been the regular weekend this year in late May, 
for an online edition. First of all, I mean, this is we're saying this all ad nauseum. None of us are surprised, are we? Nope. None of us are surprised. I mean, the whole corridor there, the whole airport, as we just mentioned, the Toronto Congress Center is being set up to be used as a mass vaccination clinic. And up until they streamlined the the uh, the federal government edicts or federal government rules, um, a lot of the hotels there were being used as quarantine hotels. That's if they actually went to said quarantine hotel. Yeah, they're not. I, I think the the uh, the federal government hotels or the ones that are in compliance with the new orders are actually way closer to the airport than the ones on airport road in Dixon. But uh, up until, up until then, it, uh, I think, uh, I think Radisson and Delta and all the other, and all that little cluster in the, uh, in the compound were being used for quarantines. But uh, I think like when they originally made the announcement, moving it to the summer for in December, there was a little more hope and stuff like that. But as we continued and went to the, lockdown stuff like that that hope unfortunately disappeared especially with pushing the goalposts back as we said on the uh, vaccination strategy and everything like that so unfortunately it was out of their hands and everyone came uh, together and said you know what just can't do it even though the best laid plans uh, thought they could do it before right so it's always mm-hmm. evolving I think it was uh, largely the variants that uh, had a huge impact in this like I think it was just too much of a risk um, because of the uncertainty of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I think vaccination as well, because they'd still probably be doing vaccinations for, Mm -hmm. uh, who knows which age groups we'd be at, at that point. Yeah. The schedule is not, has not gone. Let's be honest, the way many had hoped. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason, we, we, we can talk at length about who to blame on that. Whether it's the federal government, the provincial government, the suppliers. Just all we care about is the bottom line. That's just not the case right now. And we always get shafted when it comes to stuff like this internationally. Well, yeah. that's just the impression I get. I have no real basis for that comment. Well, it's, it's fair. It's feeling. fair, but it's fair to feel. All, all I'm caring about is what's the bottom line right now. We, we can talk about how we're, how we're here another time. But what is the bottom line? And that's just what it is. We're we're not uh, as a as a country and as a province. The vaccinations have not gone the way many thought they would have when they started in in December. I think people were over uh, optimistic to say the least because when I looked at the timelines, they were not based on reality. Period. Like some of these people don't realize we were going at hyperspeed just to develop these vaccines and stuff like that. So it's a lot longer trek to get where we want to go. And even that is not going to be the normal we were used to. Mm-hmm. And even how we live now is changed so much because think about it, all of us for masks, masking culture wasn't like this in the Western world. And now look at it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's and on it's a dime. Still, and it's still problematic depending on who you ask and i think that's going to be with us probably for the rest of our lives and stuff like that i'll try to be optimistic and say uh, who knows 
But you know, I mean, more closer to what Asia was like and stuff like that, where okay, I think more people, true. you know, where they'd have a cold and for more respect and stuff like that, maybe more of us will be masking us. You know what I mean? Mm. Mo? I mean, I think the, the problem is that we were given, like, false hope early on that, like, they had a vaccine, therefore it's going to be, like, next day delivery come shit. <laughs> I mean, like... It's... <laughs> <laughs> That's just gonna deliver it on their drone. Give us prime. the vaccine with that and bam. Prime now. Prime now. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Well. But actually but going is... back, uh, Mike, I was thinking we had been talking about Anime North. Let's and... get let's get back to Anime North for a second. But thinking about the anime cons and stuff like that, a lot of them obviously are now doing uh, virtual events going forward. And a lot of the big ones during the May and that have canceled their in-person events and stuff like that and are going to 2022. And hopefully they will make it there because I think, remember, many weeks ago, Otakon is doing a fundraiser because it doesn't sound like they are on the best footing and stuff like that. So that's kind of crazy to think about, right? That's yeah, I mean, James. It's, that's a, it's kind of sad to think that. I, that's I one to, of the biggest ones too, right? So it's the it's the east one in the east. I want to look that one up a little more before talking. I, I wouldn't mind talking a little more about that. More um, if I'm not mistaken, it was the fact that the move to DC killed a lot of their reserve funds. And that's okay. what I figured as well, because remember, they were one, then they went to Maryland, and they probably did have the reserve funds, but going to D.C., like right in D.C., that's a very expensive proposition. And at the uh, pandemic, that's another thing, so, mm -hmm. which is sad, to say the least. But the others, who knows how long their uh, funds can last, right? Because you say for a rainy day, but with the rainy day, it keeps on going. Yeah. Well... As I said, I, I want to look a little bit more on the uh, name conventions and to see how they're managing. And maybe we can have a, lar a longer con uh, conversation about them. Otakon, just that one uh, kind of has my attention for many reasons. For Because they're... At they're a great con to go to. I don't doubt it. I do not doubt that, I've, even if I've never been there. But I, don't, I, I, take, I completely take that at your word. I, go, I say that as a person who's attended at least two times Wait a, a lot go. of people have enjoyed it. even the people that went after they moved to dc of course as well and so mm -hmm. i think there are a lot of people that are willing to throw a bit of money towards them and stuff like that and help them out because they've given a lot of good memories to a lot of different people mm -hmm. anime north for its part will now once again hold a stay-at-home edition as they're now calling it on the weekend of May 28th to the 30th. I think that is that would have been the traditional date this year. Correct. And I, I just find it funny it's being referred to this year as a stay-at-home edition instead of a Omiti's online experience, oh. M-O-T. I, I just find that... That just caught my attention. Not, not, not necessarily... <laughs> okay, it is funny. But... No, the, no, the name itself was, is fine. I actually like the name. It's just we all cringe at the acronym, that's all. Well, I, I think some of it is maybe branding, too. Because you use the phrase, Momiji's online experience. That doesn't totally say Anime North, does it? We know who... Like, anyone who keeps up with Anime North knows that Momiji is the convention's longtime mascot. Yes. But you really don't 
Like, otherwise, you don't really link the name Momiji in Anime North. I guess they could have tied it into their social media with Compass and stuff like that because they've used that branding too, right? It went went with the... uh, I mean, MOE did take place on on the Anime North Compass Twitch channel, so... So maybe maybe it is for the purpose of streamlining. I'll buy that argument to make sure that whatever online presentation anime north puts on this year actually has the name <laughs> anime north in it that would so probably I, help does that I mean thought, does that mean we're doing a show during anime north i should send an email <laughs> norm eileen if you're listening i'll send you an email later in the week because you know we are the official podcast of anime north yeah well for better or worse Sometimes. And then uh, earlier in the month, we're going to have TCAF is supposedly going virtual as well. So uh, that'll yeah. be interesting Actually, to see how that plays out as well, especially for the artists and stuff like that. Because... Okay, now that you bring up uh, other other conventions, I just earlier today, I actually looked at the IFF website and it hasn't been updated since the announcement of its postponement last year. And I looked on the Twitter much the same. So I don't know what's the story you know for. What would be, you know, it'd be yeah. interesting is to ask Jesse, Mike, about because remember they started on Vancouver. Did they do a virtual event for their Vancouver uh, convention? I wonder. Mm, good question. Fair question. Fair question. And I guess we'll talk with Jesse at some point. Uh, some point in the near future. Um, I guess. I guess just to finish up the uh, finish up the uh, roundabout. Uh, anything on Fan Expo? <laughs> Does anyone know there? Well, like, no? I know no, that, nothing. I know that the CNE is apparently still planning to go at this point, and I think if they manage to say, "Yeah, we're gonna run," I think Fan Expo will just take that and run with it and say it's okay and safe for them to do it, even if it's not. They'd have to go to a different spot, though, because think we said the convention center is going to be used for vac- vaccinations, and they're probably still going to be at it, depending on yeah, if they want to build us or one. The questions, I guess. And yeah, let's double back for a second. The city of Toronto has canceled any large events from now until the end of June. And Pride is its most noteworthy casualty. The other casualty is uh, the Canadian Open. The Canadian Open is now scrambling to figure out what they wanted to do. And that was supposed to be held at St. George's Golf Club, even though it's a private uh, golf course. It's within Toronto, so... Mm -hmm. So there's uh, the scenarios we're now looking at. Actually, on the topic of the Canadian National Exhibition, the CNE, word came down earlier in the week that overactive uh, entertainment, or overactive media, that's the exact name, the owners of the Toronto Defiant of the Overwatch League and Toronto Ultra of the Call of Duty League, and we're talking esports, yes, I get it, they have released plans to build a $500 million venue on the CNE grounds. And we'll put up pictures of, their, uh, of the renderings. The centerpiece of it will be a 7,000-seat auditorium, which will serve as the home of, the, uh, of said esports teams. This is obviously, obviously a number of other amenities. I think uh, it looks like a hotel 
It looks like, and looking at the renderings, it looks like it'll sit just west of Hotel X, just south of the Intercare Center, the big uh, building. And oh, and it looks like it'll sit basically along what would be the Midway during the CNE, which, as as mentioned, as uh, Jeff mentioned just now, is still set to go this year. Because uh, that's that's the uh, looking at the uh, renderings and the pictures and the aerial photos of where the building is set to be. This will be right, just off the midway, and well, it's an interesting looking design. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind when I look at it is, can Will Smith drive it? <laughs> I don't get that reference. You don't get the joke. No, you don't get that one. No. Okay, that's a. Uh, oh well, yeah, maybe you're too young to remember Independence Day. Yeah, I was gonna say that was Independence Day. Oh, that was Independence Day. Yeah, I was yeah. busy playing like Ration and Clank or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, oh yeah, we'll, we should mention uh, PlayStation just before we go off the air. Yeah, that, that that's what I. Uh, that's uh, somebody made that joke. I thought, yeah, I could see that. I think uh, the crew. Uh, I asked my best friend that same question, and he said, "No, that that looks too big for him to drive." <laughs> Good references, good references, good times. Okay, what's the CNE home to already? This is worth mentioning in terms of such venues. Okay, just south of it is is the uh, Budweiser stage at Ontario Place. Didn't they change the name on that? Isn't it called something else now? Yeah, I, 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 I forget it off the top of my head. Anyone, feel free to look it up. Isn't, isn't that the amphitheater you're talking about? Yeah, the amphitheaters, Correct. amphitheater on the Ontario Place grounds. I always think of it as Molson Amphitheater because Molson was the rights holder for that at, building, at, the name at, of the building back then. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Coca Cola Coliseum, the five thousand seat hockey arena which houses the Toronto Maple Leafs farm team, is well, on. The used to be where all the horses and that used to be for the CNE and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, and BMO Field, BMO Field, yeah, the uh, current, uh, current incarnation of a, of the state of a CNE stadium that sits sits on the grounds home to Toronto FC and the Argonauts there's part of me wondering like I like the idea of having that arena just just a, maybe there's a small bias there and just curious to see it the Queen Elizabeth theater is there too that's right the venues where some j-pop stars have had concerts well, well our perfume yep yeah, I, you know what? Now, now that I've seen a few more YouTube videos of their performances, I envy you that you got to see that, Kevin. It was a fun little show. Yeah, and watching that and watching Songs of Tokyo last month. Yeah, they they seem like a a fun group to to watch. That concert sold out too, uh, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Well, there there's an idea now for what what, what could like uh, a thing that could happen in that venue. 7,000 seat. Uh, the centerpiece is a 7,000 seat theater. So, anything, I guess there, I guess there's options, I suppose. Speaking of concerts, uh, Flo's concert got canceled. Oh, yeah. And they were supposed to be here? Uh, it was rescheduled for June of this year, and then, yeah, it's not happening anymore. Yeah, get your refunds, kids. Uh, the Scandal concert is still up in the air. Uh, well, there's lots of things up in the air. Okay, do you have an opinion on, on, the, on this uh, venue? Does anyone have an opinion? I think if they see, I don't really particularly care about esports ever since I stopped playing League of Legends. But 
I think if that venue can somehow accommodate like concerts, that would be really nice. Yeah, which I think it will. I could see that. Or giving out to other uh, teams that may not be affiliated. Like, for example, uh, the MLSC's uh, Toronto Raptors esports team for uh, NBA 2K. Mm -hmm. And uh, and conversely, yeah, uh, um, they have have an esports team for MLS as well. So uh, Toronto FC has, I think, an entry in it as well. Mm. but it's an over an overactive it does intend to move all of its operations into that building when it's built it's set for to finish in 2025 the other thing is obviously they want to use it for other things conventions possibly as well so who knows i i i just find it a little intriguing and maybe getting a little bit ahead um I know Korea has uh, has its fair share of dedicated arenas like this, and I think in Europe uh, there's maybe a few in Europe as well. So, real um, one in Las Vegas, uh, also. So, it's not unheard of, and we'll you know, it has a has curiosity just to see where this ultimately goes, but. I guess the uh, first impression is sounds cool, but is it really necessary? And I guess that's a, that's the question I have. A little skepticism is okay, but uh, we'll. Um, well, uh, I guess the other part is we're we're talking city property, so who's paying for it? I guess that's the last question. Anyway, we move on. Sure. Okay. The Crunchyroll Awards happened, when last week? There's been, uh, it's awards season, generally speaking, and anime is really no exception, I suppose. The Crunchyroll Awards happened while in the couple weeks we've been off, and I didn't know Reddit had its own version of anime awards as well. And that one was interesting because it was a jury and a public one for both awards. So yeah, they do compassion country. Yeah. So jury and public, um, which one do you do you want to stick with for a couple seconds? Because I'm just looking at the list of winners. Maybe I should have watched the award show, but I actually. <laughs> well, you can still watch uh, the Crunchyroll. Well, the Crunchyroll one, remember, had a video portion, so you can watch it on their site if you want to again to see what it's all about. But it feels probably more similar to uh, Jeff Keighley's The Video Games Awards and stuff like that. It's like. I know they're trying to bring on everyone, stuff like that, but sometimes it feels like a marketing endeavor. It's kind of like leaves you questioning things, like especially some of the things like I don't think the Oscars, as I told you guys, has best girl, best boy, boy. best protagonist, best antagonist, best, best fight boy. scene. Well, best fight scene you'd see some at something like the MTV Awards. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have that, you'd have that at the MTV Movie Awards. Um, no, that's fair, uh, but... On the topic of uh, of best of past best fight scene winners, best couple movies. at the MTV Movie Awards, twenty fifth anniversary of of Happy Gilmore happened in the last couple of weeks, and I think uh, I think it's fight scene between Bob Barker and Adam Sandler won best fight scene the year it came out, best fight scene of all time. It, it <laughs> really was time. a great movie. That that movie is probably Sandler's best and stuff like that. Oh man, well, I'm looking at the t- like. I mean, I I fully admit. 
not totally keeping up. Like they're they're, they're titles that I'm I'm aware of, but haven't really seen an episode from. The only one that sticks out is B Stars. I'll, we'll, I'll talk about B Stars in a in a sec. It seems like the consensus between both Reddit and Crunchyroll for the public and the jury on both was Lost in Paradise. The ending for Jujutsu uh, Kaisen uh, was the winner on all of them. So yeah, that must be one heck of an ending. It's I a good ending it. sequence. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, that, I guess that was the point of bringing up the Reddit Anime Awards. Uh, basically, play a match game of some sort. And the other thing of interest was, if you want to say, look at Anime of the Year, uh, Kaisen again won that for the Crunchyroll uh, Awards, and obviously they had a jury and everything like that. So I'm sure it was well earned, as they say, even though they're streaming it. And then for Reddit, it was interesting because. Um, Chiharu ya Fuya, uh, sorry, Furu. I, I'm so frustrating yeah. that. Yeah. No, the third uh, season won for Anime of the Year by the jury, and I know a lot of people are fans of that, so it is a good one to watch. And then the public one had ReZero uh, second season, which was interesting. Hmm. As I said, so what, like, okay, what's your reaction to any of the uh, award winners? Uh, since you uh, kept up a little bit more than I did on this, James. I, see, that's the thing is I look at a lot of the different awards and a lot of them are more of the popular things that I see that are keeping the industry engine going, so to speak. And so I don't keep up on a lot of those ones as much. I'm keeping up on a lot more of the smaller stuff, the slice of life and all these oddball shows that probably are selling just 100 copies if they do make it to physical print. Hmm. I guess that's fair. I don't know. I mean, obviously, an award is never a bad thing to have. It might get uh, a few more eye eyeballs. There's we there's been um, the phrase the us the Oscar bump. Mm-hmm. So well, that's totally and it'll help bring more people, right? Uh, sorry, sorry, Kevin. Well, that's totally the reason why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, it's self serving, I guess, for Crunchyroll to get uh, get more eyeballs and uh, clicks on some of their own series, I suppose. And a lot of them are stuff that are on uh, Crunchyroll and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, even Reddit, yeah. we can look, it's like probably evenly split. But some of the things, like they had some interesting categories, like you have compositing, and I'm just like, what is that? Even I should know it. <laughs> but it's like, did any of the public know? And then the other interesting thing is I know Pokemon Twilight Wings won in quite a few categories. Like, for example, the jury selected for animation for TV for Pokemon Twilight Wings. And I'm thinking to myself, how can that make any sense since it was done by the Pokemon company through YouTube and stuff like that? It was never on TV from what I remember. Yeah, on the mm-hmm. um, the 25th uh, anniversary stream for Pokemon, they even specified that it was YouTube or web anime. Like, they had it as a separate category. That's what I thought it was put as. And so that's why I was confused by that one. So that can... Leave you to wonder, right, when they give out these things, especially on a place like Reddit. Not to say there's some great series they mentioned there. Yeah. And it was great, too, for that series as well. Probably the best you'll ever see Pokemon look. Even if it was promoting, uh, sorry, promoting uh, Shield and uh, Sword heavily, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going through these awards quickly. There is a, because I see the general anime of the year, and then there is no movie of the year. And there is on Reddit. 
on Reddit, but I can see that there is no movie of the year because you can't watch any of those movies on Crunchyroll. (laughs) (laughs) There are some movies on Crunchyroll. Actually, funny enough, you can watch uh, Konosuba, God's Blessing, uh, Legend of Crimson on Crunchyroll and stuff like that, dub or sub. And the public chose that on Reddit. They could nominate. The consolidation of the uh, industry continues in that sense. But I will say... Shoyo Hinata from Haikyuu is indeed best boy. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Uh, Good Jujutsu Kaisen. Jujutsu Kaisen is the uh, big winner from the Crunchyroll. Uh, uh, what? What? Okay. What? Okay. That side means doesn't. No, doesn't I I can't judge the anime. I hear the anime is. I hear it's a good adaptation of the manga, so I have no complaints. I'm just sighing because I I just think Jujutsu Kaisen is just a confusing mess of a manga. Okay. Like, I mean, at, at the very worst, it has. I'm sure people who didn't who didn't know uh, it has their attention for the moment. Like, if you want a good fight scene, if you want good fight scenes, yes, read Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay. Okay. I just think it's well, more style over substance, which you know, it's fine. It's fine. Well, nothing nothing wrong with parking your brain. Once in a while, too. I just find it a little hard to follow at times, and I know I've said this before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that would help. Uh, the Country Roll Awards. Oh, I, I guess I'll, I'll try and give it a watch, but uh, maybe it's better if I actually watch stuff, too. <laughs> so on that note, what's in people's cues this week on their recent watches and reads? Just one one title, maybe, and then maybe I'll throw a couple myself at the end. Uh, High Rise Invasion came out on Netflix. It's uh, sorry. Right. Yeah, you know, you, I think you you mentioned it to, to us. I have to. So how was yeah. that? Because I know the manga. I think Seven Seas is releasing it over here. Uh, you know, it's 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 an anime. I think I can I can say that much about it. It's, you know, just uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of funny thinking of Netflix because I was mentioning that, Mike. It's like they've been uh, in the uh, news this week because Sentai licensed another one uh, from the Baki. And then the funny thing about that is they confirmed that for Baki and then the other one they licensed, uh, Hero Mask, they're redubbing both of them. They're not uh, getting the original dub from Netflix. And so there is confirmation. They said this has happened in Europe before where it's cheaper for some of these companies to do their own dub than get the dub from Netflix that they're starting to charge or charge hard, higher fees for some reason. I don't know why. Like, I know they've been doing union dubs, but I don't think that's all of it. Yeah, I find that kind of... Yeah, that's an odd thing to have found out. It's really. kind of funny, too, because I was thinking about it in the way I was thinking Be the Beginning, where all the anime got it. They have that dub that Netflix did on there. And then uh, the second season of be the beginning, which is coming in March, they're having the same cast and everything, but theoretically all the anime might be stuck paying a higher cost to get that dub. And then they might say, you know what? We can't do that. So we're just going to have to redub it if we can do it. And it'd be funny if they tried to use the same exact cast. I think that was from Bang Zoom too, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Who knows? Uh, there's many just, other good ones I, that I know that are coming, weird, right? It's just, it's just a weird paradox to know that, right? And it's, it sort of makes me think about uh, a reverse version of 
what's happened to Eva. You know what's funny? Thinking of Eva, they can't get the ADV, but what if they can't get the dubs from Netflix? <laughs> That'd be yeah. hilarious. They'll have to redub that yet again. Oh yeah, going back to oh. um, the the television series. Who got who got that again? G Kids was it G Kids? Yeah, it was G Kids. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll be curious to see who ends up with that. Like how they go about that now that that's come up. Now that this situation has happened. Okay. All right, Jeff Mo, or, or Mo's already answered. What's what's on? <laughs> yeah. Jeff, what's in your queue? Um, I'm still uh, keeping up with the uh, dub release of Doctor Stone, uh, so I think uh, episode three should be out uh, at some point soon. Uh, but I did watch the um, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure OVA, so thus spoke uh, Kashibi Rohan, I think, uh, on uh, Netflix. Uh, very weird. Um, kind of uh, Junji Ito meets Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, the original Yu-Gi-Oh, um, so not a card game, but the weird... Uh, death game uh, sort of stuff um it was the it best was, part of you gio <laughs> it, it was <laughs> fine um one thing of note it, it was the first anime i've seen with a uh a recast uh from uh mr vm so uh because uh, he voiced uh rohan in the original uh jojo part oh, four yeah. uh so he the new actor i forget the name right now um but he is kind of doing um an impression of uh Mr. M, but uh, it's still it's still pretty good. It's okay, you can see Mr. Mangina. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, well, that was an OVA then, huh, Jeff? Because yeah, it's it, funny it, when you said OVA because when I think JoJo OVA, I'm thinking oh. <laughs> of like mid aughts one that barely got over here. It was I forget I forget it was some random company, but I think they were tied to Madhouse and they tried to get it out and. That was the only thing they got out, and it didn't really set the bar for JoJo until Studio David uh, I mean, started bringing it out. It's it's a Netflix original, but it's only four episodes, and they're not extended episodes or anything, so I just considered it an OVA, but uh, I'm not sure what the official designation might be. Okay. Uh, Kevin. Oh. Did, I, did I ask you? Yeah, yeah. Kevin. Just so... I'm uh, I'm reading through Saga, and I did get through uh, Volume Six, and wow, what a ride, man! <laughs> That's all you could really say, right? <laughs> well, I guess this is where I'll mention some spoilers, but I'm just like, wow, he's gonna have another kid, eh? Okay, there. <laughs> That's gonna be curious to see how that pans out. Especially given the conundrum that they're in right now. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so it's good. Saga is fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're enjoying something. Uh, also, what's coming up next for me is uh, I'm intending to uh, join a group read for Honey and Clover. We'll mm. see if I can. And, okay. Uh, and uh, that was a great one. That's yeah, a great and one you're gonna enjoy there, Kevin. I think I enjoyed Honey and Clover, the manga and the both anime adaptations. Like I've had that manga for maybe like eight years. Oh, fine. Well, it's it, only yeah. ten volumes, so yeah. There's too many things getting in the way, and I have to say, I I read the I read two of the more recent chapters of Jujutsu Kaisen, and like so, 
I didn't even realize that the main Shibuya incident just ended. It just felt like it ended. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> now I'm like, wait, how did that end? Because I usually read two chapters every two weeks. And so now I have to like go back to those chapters and see like, okay, so how did they transition from the end of this arc to like the conclusion of the arc and the aftermath? I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Like, oh, this manga, man. <laughs> there, there. <laughs> I get why it's popular, though. And, you okay. know, it's good fights. But oh, I'm just like, it, it's hard to follow. It really is. Sometimes I really just have to, like, go back and forth and figure out, okay, so this happened because of this. And then this character's doing this because of this. And then, <laughs> okay. And then I have to, like, and then I do it all over again. Yeah. Is it as bad as the Zelda timeline, Kevin? Oh. No, it's not as bad as the Zelda timeline. <laughs> so there you go. You're you'll get through it. And I don't even pay attention to the Zelda timeline. I just I just play the games and enjoy them. <laughs> okay. James. Well, I know that there are a lot of video game news, but I gotta start off by saying I am very happy that the uh Famicom Detective games, both of them are coming uh, to the Nintendo Switch in May. And that well, I heard is, about that. Yeah, so the first one is The Girl Who Stands Behind, and then that's actually the second one. The first one's actually The Missing Air. But both of them, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to come out physically, so it's probably just going to be digital affair. But it sounds like, so far, I think it's like $46.99 Canadian for each one. So they are an expensive Ooh. proposition and stuff like that. And even on sales, we know for Nintendo, sales aren't uh, that prevalent. You might get 30%, 30% off at best. But I yeah. still feel it's something I'd want to support and stuff like that. And I'm making an exception on these two because they're the granddaddies of uh, visual novels. And as well, Nintendo is teaming up with Mages to do the remakes oh. of both of these. So I think that's great. Especially oh. since Mages has brought stuff onto the Switch and PS4 and stuff like that with... Uh, Steins Gate Elite. This year they're doing the Steins Gate Zero Elite. They've done uh, robotic notes and so many others. Well, there's there's ways to sneak in your discounts here and there. Like, so you know you you say that you live in Alberta and you buy oh. your uh you when you buy your Nintendo Switch or Nintendo Online gift cards, you find those promos where you get like fifty dollars of value for forty bucks or whatever. Like that's that's usually how you have to go. So, Kevin, do you know how much debt the COVID-19 added to the Alberta budget? <laughs> so at some point, uh, I have to realize that maybe they might want a sales tax. Just a small one. <laughs> Not uh, to say we're any better in other provinces. That's I'm amazed how that trick still works after all this time. Speaking as, speaking as a real accountant, James. Oh, well. But... Um, the thinking of what I'm watching and stuff, I was watching a few things, obviously, during, that are happening during the season, and then a few things on disc. But um, on season in Crunchyroll, I've been catching up on um, Layback Camp season two, and it's just fun watching that. It's like slice of life camping, and I've uh, gone camping uh, my whole life and stuff like that. So it's kind of funny looking at from the Japanese perspective how they're doing it, especially at the end where they're saying if you're camping during the winter, be very careful of the weather conditions and stuff like that. And I can tell you from winter camping, we were usually inside and 
if we were camping in tents, we were very close to indoor uh, facilities, unlike some people, because hypothermia and frostbite were real concerns. And it was funny, just you see Mount Fuji all the time, wherever they're camping, which is so funny, because unfortunately, never had Mount Fuji uh, near me during a campsite, just the Canadian Shield or some other things, but it was still nice and scenic where we did it. And just the thing that they got the five-star camping down. Some of the things they had, I wish I had. They had better <laughs> facilities, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but they still had some of the stuff. It's like they have the Coleman branding on some of the stuff they have. So <laughs> it's interesting when you think of that because we had the Coleman stoves and stuff like that. So uh, was, that's cool. And it was interesting just seeing the fires because we did ours in a fire pit and stuff like that. And you see them on this raised fire pit or something like that they were doing, which was kind of interesting. So. Hmm. But it was, I came at it from a different perspective because I'm sure most people, it's like cute girls doing cute things, right? Just like K-On and stuff like that. Oh, so. I, would have thought they would, I would have thought the girls would use Snow Peak uh, branded uh, products. I didn't that, see that at all. Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't see that. Snow Peak's a Japanese uh, outdoors slash clothing company. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard, I think I know of, if not the name, I know of the, I think I have an idea about that. Okay. But yeah, there was that. And then uh, on disc, uh, dub-wise, I was watching, I got to uh, Lord Elmaloy the uh, second. That's a spinoff of the <laughs> Fate Zero uh, part of the Fate series. And that's with uh, Waver, older Waver Velvet, who has become Lord Elmaloy the second. And he's uh, solving these mysteries and stuff like that. And I was watching that in English and it was fun. Some people, I think, would have the thing of saying, okay, they're in England, but none of them have accents or anything like that. But it all ties into the English cast they've had in the Fate universe before that's done at Bang Zoom. And I still thought they did a heck of a job and stuff like that. Once you get into it, the dub was fine and great to listen to, even though someone who's probably going into maybe just that is like, they're in England, but I don't hear like an English accent at all, right? (laughs) Is is Waver uh, less of a whiny little shit in that oh, show? Oh, de- definitely. Like okay. he's he's it's like he's seen shit now, and now he's like definitely not that whiny. And he's been like inspired and affected by the servant he had in that Holy Grail war. I'm not even I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. Okay, maybe I can say Ryder, but I won't say what his actual uh, heroic spirit was, because someone's going to say that's a spoiler. But okay. He was, because, okay. He was affected the- by that, and it affects him as he's going forward in this. And, like, he's got his shit together. Let's put it that way in this series. That's because great. He's taken hear. for his mentor's uh, class and stuff like that. Because remember, well, actually, that's a spoiler, but yeah. Lord, uh, you know what happened <laughs> to the first uh, Lloyd, uh, Lord L. Malloy. Because I only watched the first fate zero series i didn't get around to season two and yeah waiver is a little insufferable in that first oh trust time. me he's he's not insufferable in this one like you can definitely like it's many many years after that so he's definitely an adult and he's learned kind of from his mistakes too because remember he thought he was kind of full of himself when he went into that uh war and stuff like that saying <laughs> i'm gonna show up my master and i got all this and then he becomes this whiny bitch, right? <laughs> uh, okay. But the last one, I'll just keep it sure on this one, is uh, Discotech 1. I went back and was watching in sub uh, 
Hajime no Ippo and stuff like that uh, starting at the first uh, season, episode one. And it was fun watching that one because, ironically, the thing in my mind standing for Fighting Spirit and that was the dub because we were watching it on the Genyon disc, five episodes of disc, and I feel like we were watching mostly Doug when I was watching it with people. And it, those mo- those voices were just such in my head. And that was from Media Concepts with Richard Epcar uh, directing. And then he did uh, The Chief, the corner man for Epo and stuff like that. And he had the old boxing coach type voice down and stuff like that. So some of those voices <laughs> resonate in my head for the dub, even though I'm sure some people say it's pedestrian. But I enjoyed it quite a lot. And it was nice going back and watching uh, the original language version and seeing it. And I thought they did a good job too, because I was thinking back to the other seasons that are on Crunchyroll. I think season two, season three, which they did way later and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so mm. it's nice hearing those first times they were doing the voice, right? Epcar is a real one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. My turn. Yeah. I guess. Yes. All right. Well, I did mention I finished Beastars. Oh. That was enjoyable. Although Good to hear. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, what there isn't too much to say about it that probably isn't already out there. Although I do wonder how the hell do they get their tails through their skirts and pants. That's what the tailor's for. Pun. Tailor. Very good. Well, Why I actually didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> I legit did not think of that. But it's like obviously we we've only gone through gotten through part of the story, and I've gone through the twelve episodes that are currently available in North America. I understand that the r- remainder of it, or the next phase of the series, is now available in Japan. You can VPN it, I suppose. It's. I, as I said uh, at the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's a nice mix of team angst and then mix that up with the primal aspects of the animals each of these characters are. I like the world building in Beastars. No, it's a, it's just an interesting oh, yeah, world. It's good. Well, and I'll, I'll be curious to see what twists they now have because it's obviously the last episode set up for an interesting second season. And it won't be that much of a way pry for you because you've watched it so recently because I'm sure mm-hmm. they'll probably have that sometime this year. Oh, it's, I think it's set for the summer. I think July, oh, if memory serves me right. So more to come, but uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, although I have to save a word for its, its creator, Paru Itagaki, who's, uh, we forgot to mention this last time. Yes, she's the daughter of, of, uh, of another well-known name in the industry, but She's made it a point not to, to make sure people don't see her face. So every picture you see of her, either one of two things happen. Either she has it covered up with a copy of one of the volumes of her of her manga. Or she's wearing a chicken mask. One or, one or the oh, other. Oh, I think it's the Legomu chicken mask. Because Legomu is the best girl in Beastars. Other than her. Yeah. Does she become more okay. of a character later in the and- series? It's in the first anime. No, I, I think. I, if I'm mistaken, like I don't think you see Legomu ever again. Oh, she's more. Granted, I haven't yeah. gotten very far. Yeah, it's just you see. Well, you don't really see her obviously any further. Yeah, just that, just the beginning of that one episode. That's it. 
that was weird because that was its own chapter in the manga. Mm-hmm. So it really did feel out of place in the anime. And I feel like they could have honestly taken that segment out if they wanted to make the overall story more cohesive. But but yeah. because Legomu is a fan favorite in the in that franchise, so they must have felt obligated to animate that chapter. Well, I mean, it's the author in many ways. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, so personally I'll be looking forward to the rest of the anime. Yeah, and once again in the eco, with the uh multimedia the media ecosystem, it, maybe there's some curiosity about the manga right now, but there's other things that I I'm curious to watch. So, that said, the other thing that's the other thing that uh, caught my attention in the last couple of weeks was actually on Thursday. Um, NHK World debuted their first animated series in six years. Kyo and uh, well, the English name is Kyo and Kyoto from the Maiko House, or and I'm going to try and pronounce this in Japanese. Maiko Sanchi no Makanai San, which. As far as I could tell about about this, it follows the story of Kyo, who is a failed wannabe geisha who stays with the house she had been uh, she had been studying in as its live-in cook, and then how she juggles those duties with her best friend, who is uh, who is about to become an, a a Michael herself, Sumire. That's uh, that's the basic story, and uh, and the thing is, the one thing I'll say about it right now, at least after watching one episode, it's presented in three separate shorts, and it, if there's one bad thing I can really say about it, it's pleasant, it's friendly, it's so saccharinely sweet. I felt like I was going to get a cavity after the first episode. <laughs> I guess that's the worst thing I could say about it, but it's it's a it's meant to be a, an encouraging story. But the thing that always has my attention about it is the fact it's on NHK World. It's also being uh, simulcasted co- concurrently on Crunchyroll, so you can see it for free on NHK World. It's on their video on demand service. If you have a Crunchyroll subscription, it's there too. Episodes will come once a week. At, the, at around the same time. But what has my attention about it uh, is the fact it's on NHK World. I said this was the first animated series in six years. The first one was Sushi and Beyond, which was the story of a, Brit- a British family's three months going through Japan and trying out all of its different cuisines. It's based on a book by Michael Booth, of the same name, but that was the same. That was the name of the book when it was first released in Britain. It 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 became such a hit in Japan itself that it, the series got that the anime series got produced in 2015, I believe. And but one thing it didn't have until recently was a North American release, at least of the book. And that it did come out, I think, in 2018 or 2019 uh, under the name. Super Sushi Ramen Express. It actually came out in 2016. I'm just looking it up now. So Super Sushi Ramen Express. It's the uh, anime based on that. And 
what always catches my attention is things on NHK World typically are there for a reason. And more often than not, it's to help promote something concerning Japan, to show the good side of it. Uh, Sushi and Beyond obviously was there for its food. In recent months, over NHK's programming, NHK World's programming more specifically, also focused a little bit more on geisha themselves and the fact that it was a bit of a dying art. So I guess uh, that seems to be the purpose of putting up Kyo in Kyoto from the Maiko house. So I think it, I think it just wanted to put a bit of a focus on that. And this is, uh, this is some of the fallout from the Japanese Film Festival Plus for me. I started to note some of the dialogue in Kion Kyoto. And I'm noticing the Maiko and the geishas themselves using a lot of the vocabulary that was depicted in Lady Maiko, the specifics of proper Kyoto dialect, which I found kind of interesting in and of itself. So there's a part of the fallout from, from, uh, the, from the movie festival. Also, uh, also two, two other things that caught my attention. Sushi and Beyond was presented in its dub, dub form. So all the dialogue in it was actually in English, which I had no real problem with because obviously it's about a British family. There is a Japanese version as far as I remember too, though. Kion Kyoto, however, is presented in Japanese with subtitles, although its narrator is in English. And then, the, and then after the episode, they show uh, like a three-minute little documentary just to explain a few things about about uh, the geisha world. But uh, a watch, if only for the cultural bits, uh, at worst. But uh, maybe you'll be charmed by it if you get the chance to watch it. And because uh, the other, the final fallout is, from the festival is now that now I have a curiosity to watch Secret Passage uh, on Amazon because uh, the movie was shown during the Japan Film Festival Plus, and then an anime came out a few years later, and that's on Amazon. So that might be uh, worth a watch, and that's uh, basically my um, my cue list uh, at, at the moment. Anyway, before we end off this evening... Over the next couple weeks while we're off, two rather significant anniversaries will come to pass. Uh, Or maybe three, uh, if Kevin uh, has it right. The first one is of wider significance, I think. Almost certainly we won't be uh, on the air when March 11th passes, and that'll be the 10th anniversary of the Great East Japan Earthquake. So we want. I want to just quickly acknowledge it now. And oh, do we want to talk about it now, or we'll wait till next episode and we'll talk about it more extensively, guys? <laughs> Up to you. I think we'll do it more extensively. I guess uh, because um, the next episode will happen just right after that the tenth anniversary. So maybe we'll talk about it more then. The other one is going to be March 2nd. This episode that you're hearing probably will not go live until March 2nd. March 2nd will mark the 15th anniversary of this podcast's 
first episode. So our 15th anniversary, James, will happen on Tuesday. What a ride it's been. Uh, that, say how time has flied, right? It's like, yeah, how time has flied. That was just yesterday when you just pulled me into a classroom and yeah, had the and, professional and, conversation we did, and I've been doing yeah, it ever just, since. Yeah, we've been having these conversations ever since. They said if we find a room and have a microphone, uh, we'll find something to talk about, right? And we did with Neil. It's been fun, although I know, I get it, we've been off for a good chunk of those 15 years up until a few years ago. but. Still, our first episode was taped 15 years ago this Tuesday. There were people born that day that could be my students right now. <laughs> yeah, entirely possible. That's that's true. So to anybody who's listening now, thank you. If you've listened from even as far back as back then, if you've listened since 2006, really, really thank you. Chances are you're my friends. So... Thanks. Thanks a lot for uh, dealing with uh, dealing with everything over the over the 15 years. And. I don't know, I think I guess I guess we'll say a little more on Tuesday itself, uh, whether it's on uh, Twitter or Facebook or uh, a solo shot. But we'll see. But yes, the anniversary of this podcast is coming up. So. uh, Uh, I'm in that type of mood. I guess this is where I don't mention the fact that it's Pokemon's 25th anniversary as of today's recording as well. Oh, there's the third anniversary. There you go. Thanks a lot. That's a little bit. I'd say that's a little bit more significant, actually. Congratulations. (laughs) One of the most successful media franchises of all time. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up for for uh, the Pokemon. What about Zelda? It was last Sunday, 35th anniversary. Uh, that, yeah, well, give it up for yeah, um, them. There, it's it's coming gone. How many billions of dollars has Zelda made? Mm, it's made some, but not nearly as much as Pokemon. So give it up, give it up for um, Zelda, but really give it up for Pokemon. <laughs> well, really give it up. No, seriously, really give it up for Pokemon. Nintendo's been kicking up uh, the media anniversaries again because they're in uh, Mario mode now with its 35th, and now they're kicking off i probably zelda's they've talked about uh, skyward sword and then i guess whatever else they have to come for that will we'll find out closer to the summer and now we have uh, pokemon of course because they had their stream recently and mm-hmm. i guess what did we get we got uh, pearl and uh oh. Oh, there's a re-release coming up right yeah diamond and pearl re-release yeah or the remake. And, and an open world ish um potentially 1800s but still uh, feudal inspired because there is um, like bound books. So it's not actually feudal Japan, but there is a Pokemon game uh, set in old timey Japan uh, that seems to have open world elements, uh, single player focus. Um, you roll around and actually throw the balls in an open space. Apparently the Pokemon can hurt you. Uh, looks, uh, looks cool. Pokemon hmm. Dynasty Warriors. I am in. <laughs> Oh boy! We haven't even got Pokemon Muso yet. When's that happening? Oh, that would be amazing. That oh, would boy. make me buy a, a home console again. <laughs> well, you do After know that Persona Five Strikers is out uh, this week, or was it last week? So, uh, I'm not going to play that at this point. Uh, I, couldn't even, your... I couldn't even play Persona Five. That was sad. Oh, Man, boy. times with 
playing these games that I care about, but don't make the time for. Well, uh, I guess the only thing I'll say is um, I still have to play Yakuza. Okay. (laughs) Yakuza Muso coming up. Are you? It's funny, yeah. I was reading articles about that, and some of the people in Sega of America, they want to bring those ones that yeah, they want to bring the people. in the, the modern settings, like in the older settings that were mm-hmm. only in Japan, and try to bring them here, and that would be interesting. And then the belief is it would be a Kiwami treatment, so we'll, we'll stay tuned. That's all we got for this evening. A quick reminder again where you can reach us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com. Also, don't forget to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, if that's possible, because reviews and good reviews will hopefully get us more exposure and more chances for our new listeners. Five stars, please, and thank you. We typically do episodes every other week, but maybe we'll do something in consecutive weeks, too, especially after this one. Subscribe to us wherever you uh, get your podcasts so you can be reminded whenever something new has dropped in the feed. Until next time, thank you for listening. Good night from Toronto. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. Yeah, I know. I dragged James into that very first taping. And since then, I've been carrying him for the last 15 years. I've done more than his mom. She only carried him for nine months.